Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support Creative Control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. All Hands Make Light is a new band based in Montreal, Quebec. Comprised of Ephraim Manuk of Godspeed You Black Emperor, and Ariel Engel of La Force, Broken Social Scene, and Aurora, the latter two of which also include her husband, Andrew Whiteman, All Hands Make Light released their self-titled debut on Bandcamp on August 31st, 2021. Ahead of one of their first real live performances, taking place on September 25th, at Pop Montreal, Ariel and Ephraim connected with me to discuss things like parenting during a pandemic, classism, speculative capitalism, and Canada's federal election. Ariel's first encounter with Godspeed 
when they played a show at the original Hotel Tatango venue space, How All Hands Make Light came to be, and Jennifer Castle's role in all of this, Ephraim's interest in playing synthesizers instead of guitars and singing all the time, why song lyrics do and perhaps don't mean as much as we might think, song titles and typography, future plans, and much more. A technical note for about the first 90 seconds of his appearance here, Ephraim's voice sounds distorted, but basically like he's on a telephone or quietly announcing stops in the New York City subway system. And then after about a minute and a half of him talking like that or sounding like that, this glitch clears up and everything then sounds fine. You can relax. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control, with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles, which you can learn more about at their website, blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 637th episode of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Ariel and Ephraim of All Hands Make Light, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. make light are you there yes yes <laughs> nice to see you both uh it's been a while since i've seen you in any capacity and it's nice to see you uh ariel uh, how are you doing very well yeah nice. it's that's good yeah. where in the world are you today i'm in montreal at my house nice how are things going in montreal good. for you generally? good andrew and i were just having a long conversation about his phd proposal Oh, excellent. I didn't know that yeah. was a, a thing that yeah, he was planning it's coming to do. at some point, yeah. And now he's walking up and down the stairs really loud. Yeah. Can you hear that? Yeah, I can. Everyone can hear Andrew? Andrew? Yes. Can you close the doors if you're going to come up and down like that? Thank you. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen Andrew as well. May I ask, and I don't mean to pry, it's none of my business or maybe anyone else's, what is his PhD proposal going to be... Uh, about there. Oh, I, I don't understand it yet. Oh, okay, that's so good. So I'll have to wait. Yeah. That's true. He's both loud and in, incomprehensible. We can all agree <laughs> uh, from our previous encounters. Well, it's nice to see you. Uh, Ephraim, yes, Ephraim, too. are you there? I, I am here, yes. It's nice to see you as well. Where in the world are you? I'm in Montreal in the basement of my apartment. Oh, nice. Nice. How are things going for you generally? That's good. Uh, you sounded actually very sincere. I, I, was, uh, I was not. Things are okay. Yeah, things are good. <laughs> okay, good, good. Now, I want to begin just by doing a little catch-up. As I say, I haven't seen or, or heard from either of you in person in a while, and it, obviously it's been a 
very traumatic and strange time. So I just thought I would check in on how you're both doing uh, philosophically, emotionally, how this year has been for you uh, artistically even. I've, I, as you may guess, I hear from all sorts of artists and some have said, oh, it's been okay. I get to stay home. I get to work on stuff, old stuff that I've been putting off. Oh, I've been writing. Other people are like, I haven't been able to do a thing. I'm sorry. It's just mm-hmm. impossible. Ephraim, how would you characterize... Uh, this time, this pandemic time for you uh, personally, creatively? Well, I don't know. It's been up and down. Mostly I'm filled with a quiet rage. I don't have a lot of faith that things will get better when this is all done, if this is all done. But, yeah, I don't know. I've been able to do stuff. There's been some rough months, but for the most part I've been uh, functioning. Okay, that's good. That's That's good to hear. I mean, that's the bare... Does it feel like bare minimum functioning, or... Do you feel like you've been able to get some stuff done? Well, I don't know. Raising a child and, yeah, I've been getting work done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> how do you, I don't know how you grade that or rate that, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've never been an overachiever, but yeah, I feel like I'm getting stuff done. Okay. Good, good. Uh, I think that there's, uh, can I just answer that question too a little bit? I think that there's... You know, I think that when you're rate when you have young children the way we all do, it's it's a different story. Mm. I mean, like in terms of your creativity, in some ways it's great, and in other ways it's like it's tough. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I we did this. Yeah. You know, we did all hands make light. Yeah, we made a record. And we did it. We made a record, and it was very like COVID reality record. You know, we we shared files, mm. and we did get together, but. Mostly not. Yeah, I'm in Alberta. Uh, as we're speaking, the horrible government <laughs> uh, declared a state, yeah. <laughs> state of health emergency yesterday, uh, which was September 15th. Uh, so does, the, does, he, does that he recanted? Does that mean the best summer ever is now officially over? Yeah, it's over now. Uh, <laughs> so I've been here since May, or rather, we've been here since January 2020, and it's been a complete shit show. Uh, from what I can tell from my perch, Quebec has also been uh, a bit all over the place. Um, Ephraim, how would you characterize uh, your leadership there in terms of dealing with this stuff uh, as a parent, as a person? Like, that's where I'm struggling, like Ariel says. I'm really struggling with this. How would you characterize Quebec? I, well, I don't know. I mean, we have a premier who speaks to us like we're children, which I don't think is necessary. I don't know. I don't know. How do you rate that? I think, I mean, they've done the bare minimum, you know? I don't think they deserve medals or anything like that. There's definitely been moments where, I, I mean, it's been this, this way everywhere. It seems like the, the best thing the world could have done when this all hit was to just, like, put a pause on speculative capitalism. Yes. And that that's, mm-hmm. that's possible, yeah. you know? Yeah. And the fact that they didn't meant that there's always going to be this pressure to get kids back in school so that people can work, right? Mm. So that's been, you know, to varying degrees what all our terrible governments have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm, I'm not a virologist. I'm not going to pretend I know what the answers are. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. We just got to hope that Trudeau doesn't win a majority government so that uh, we don't immediately launch into a more austerity bullshit, you know? Yeah. Uh, what about the alternative in terms of being neck and neck with uh, Aaron O'Toole as we're speaking? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think O'Toole's going to win. You know? No, I know. I, I don't know. I'm it's not. A, it's, 
But he's he's gained so much more than I thought yeah. he would. Maybe I'm an yeah. optimist. Ariel, I guess. Well, sorry, go ahead, Ephraim. You were going to say something? No, no, no. I was going to say Trudeau's, you know, and not a likable individual. No, no. Obviously, we're we're in a rock and a hard place, so to speak, and it's uh, very difficult. Of course, Ariel. Similar line of questioning, I suppose, because I, you know. Ephraim invokes speculative capitalism. And I was chatting with uh, Meg Remy of U.S. Girls a few weeks ago, months Mm -hmm. ago, I guess, actually now. And she said something very profound about how what we're seeing is not only uh, adults, parents being forced back into the workplace, but get your kids into school so they can become little soldiers and work eventually. And I'm struggling with that. Like I have we kept our uh, at my behest, we kept our kids home uh, throughout all of 2020. I guess like we just didn't send yeah. them. They did virtual school, which was set up. And <laughs> and I said when we had to make that decision, this is going to be bad. Fall 2020, winter 2021 is going to be awful. We have to keep them home. And I'm not trying to be a I told you so, but it turned out to be correct. As we're speaking, everything's way worse here. Mm-hmm. But no one like the the principal called me saying you, you got to kind of send them back. I'm like, why? So I've d- don't you have to officially go into homeschooling and, and get like a certain whatever? I don't know exactly. I, I think that part of the question here, though, I mean, I know obviously as a culture and as a, you, you know, there's we worship the gods of money and that's the problem. And we don't understand that that is I mean, we do understand some of us understand that that's why everything's fucked. But when I send my daughter to school, I'm not looking at it you know, as a means of making her a little, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it as a, as a means of keeping her socialized and happy. Yeah. And I think that that's, I don't really think she's learning that much in grade one and grade two, not, not nothing that I couldn't teach her in about an hour of school a day, mm. but she's, what she's learning is how to relate to others yeah. and all kinds of stuff that are, I think really so important absolutely and so I, I want yeah. her to go to school and she has gone to school and you know wear a fucking mask get a vaccine i mean there's also things that you can do so that we can continue to be the social creatures that we need to be yeah i agree i, I forget ariel where are you from originally are you from quebec i'm from the house i'm sitting in oh amazing that's lovely yeah okay. yeah coming from ontario i mean i thought i knew what i was fleeing <laughs> terms of a Ford family dynasty there and uh, Mm -hmm. just a political climate I was kind of growing tired of. But I also knew what I was getting into. Uh, Anyway, it's Canada is complicated. I don't know where where to live and uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make things better. I don't think running away from these this leadership is the way to go. But it's just sorry, I am, as you may know, like the worst province in the country where I'm at right now for this. Yeah. And leadership. So it's very frustrating. Anyway, I'm sorry you're all going through this, but is there anything positive that has come from this stillness, this lockdown? I kind of asked about this artistically. You guys made a record, uh, which we'll get into in a moment. But Ariel, is there anything else? Like, is there anything about, I don't want to go back to normal. Normal wasn't good. Oh, yeah. No, of course. (laughs) So that's where I'm coming from. There's parts of this where I'm like, yeah. But the thing is, I think it's just waiting, unfortunately. A little like, a little like what Ephraim was saying, it's... I don't think things have changed enough in the ways that I would like to see them change. So, yeah, it's like it's I, you know, on on days when I'm feeling pessimistic, I think like we're just all holding our breath to go back to the same kind of 
market-driven world of like endless consumerism. So this has been this kind of respite from it for those who have had the luxury of being able to take the respite. Because that's also another issue, you know. Not everyone can do what we're doing. No, the socio-cultural uh, and economic disparity has never also been, you know, more present. Uh, yeah. And uh, but I do, I, I, I you know, uh, outside of all that, if there is an outside of all that, I have really liked not feeling like I'm running. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, I agree. Ephraim, you uh, are a hard touring musician, so I know this uh, lockdown stuff's got to be hard on you uh, on every level. Uh, on the other hand, as I say. Anything positive about this for you in terms of being home, around, uh, able to not be uh, on any kind of hamster wheel, so to speak? Not so much the being home stuff. I mean, there's there's elements of that that have been nice for sure. I think for me, the biggest positive thing is, you know, class is not something that we talk about easily or openly. And that's one thing that this pandemic has really laid bare. So it's mm-hmm. been nice speaking to friends who are in the same situation I, as I'm in, you know, people with no familial wealth, with no safety nets, finally talking openly about the differences that class make, you know, yeah. um, instead yeah. of pretending it's not there. And yeah, I don't know. It's nice. It's nice to be able to have those conversations casually without feeling like you're making a point of bringing it up. So mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that leads to something. You kind of, as I recall, you kind of began this chat saying you didn't feel optimistic about, let's call it post-pandemic, if there is ever a post-pandemic. You didn't feel mm-hmm. optimistic about that on some level. Can you elaborate upon that? Like, is there anything about this? Because I've already, what I'm frustrated with, I will tell you, is that things get so bad that there's a lockdown and we have to live kind of like this, the way we're living right now, the way we're talking right now virtually. And then as the numbers come down, there's this push for normalcy. Uh, you know, best summer ever, as you referenced earlier. Let's get back to it. So it's not learning from the mistakes of opening things up. It's not only that. It's also not learning that the previous way of living kind of sucked for so many people on so many levels. So I'm like you. I'm very cynical that we're ever going to learn from that, like improving things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I work for an organization that has already declared, no matter what happens, permanent hybrid from now on. We're not doing this. You have to come into the office all the time. I'm very grateful for that. I know not everyone has that Mm -hmm. luxury. But I can also, I will be frank, hear them waffling already. (laughs) Like, oh, well, maybe you can come back a few days a week. I'm like, but why? Anyway, sorry. Do you feel like we're actually going to learn stuff societally and improve after this? I think the thing that scares me the most is it seems obvious that whatever, I mean, whatever you want to term it, like neoliberalism, or liberalism, like this idea that we live in a country that's generally affluent and that things are generally okay. And it doesn't matter what we do anywhere else in the world, right? Things are okay here. You don't have to get involved. You just sort of bliss out and do your fucking thing. Vacation at your cottage in the summers, you know. Yeah, that doesn't work anymore, you know. So we're sort of stuck when it comes to electoral politics or representational politics with these parties that still believe that you can go back to that. And the people who know that you can't go back to that are right-wing populists, right? So that's what we're seeing internationally. They're the ones who fucking get it, you know? 
so it's pretty obvious that we need a new leftist politic that speaks to the truth of what's happening right now. Because otherwise, we're going to enter an era of right-wing populism that will be terrifying. It's already happened. We've already entered that era, you know? So that's what I feel pessimistic about. I don't feel like these clowns can get their heads out of their asses long enough to realize that the world has changed, you know? And that what they're selling, nobody's buying, you know? I think where I'm at with it, I appreciate that, Ephraim. And Ariel, I don't know if you feel this way, but where I'm at with it is it doesn't seem like any amount or severity of a tragedy is enough to shift the paradigm. There's always this push to keep things as they are. And I know it's it's generally by the cohort of people that Ephraim just described. They are in power and they're able to maintain, let's call it status quo. So that's where I'm at as a parent, as a person. Like, you know, I always, when I look at America, for example, and I think of Sandy Hook, that didn't change anything. Like, uh, fundamentally. And this is a pandemic that's affected everyone. And it's not, I'm cynical about it affecting real change. Uh, And Mm. that's just my perspective. Do you have any perspective on that, Ariel? No, I don't make, I can't make proclamations like that. I'm all about anticipating. I was a big Wayne Gretzky fan as a kid. And he always anticipated where the puck was going. So I have this. And he did very well doing that. (laughs) I have this uh, anticipation anxiety. I know it's actually just anxiety. But I and control no, issues, I, uh, yeah. but I need to know where we're going all the time. Like I need to speculate and figure things out. So that's why I ask these kinds of questions. I know it's deep rooted issues. <laughs> I mean, I think that the rise of right wing and fascism and you know a, a scary form of libertarianism is apparent. I also think there's like a an awakening to people to the disparity. So I, I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, well, fair I enough. Don't, I really, I don't like being uh, an authority on things. It makes me uncomfortable. We're not doctors. We don't know what's going to happen on some level. But at the same time, I think, I don't know, I think even having kids sometimes, you always are thinking about the... Do you feel that sometimes, Sarah? Like, I always am like, okay, you're going to go into this school and maybe you'll take this thing and it'll pay off later. Because my son, if I'm like, hey, you got to probably do your piano lesson now with your teacher, he'll be like, I don't want to mm-hmm. do it. I'm like... I know you're not going to believe me, but I feel like this might actually pay off later. Just mm-hmm. you're at a point where it's a good time to, you know, learn French. You're there in French immersion. They they don't like doing any of it. And I feel mm-hmm. badly, but we're like, this will pay off later. And they can't see that. So now I feel like. Yeah, well, they're very, they're, everything is very immediate when you're a child. Yes, and, then, yes. and then we become adults and try to regain that ability to live in the moment. Everything, but, everything's yeah. very immediate when you're a child or a right wing conservative. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. Like they're just like now, now or this year. That's all we care about. Anyway, sorry. Thank yeah. you for indulging me in a little uh, chat about the state of the world um, because mm-hmm. I respect both of you and your opinion. So I, I I appreciate it. Let's get to this collaboration, uh, which took mm-hmm. took me by surprise. Ariel, thanks for reaching out to connect with me about it as well. I do really appreciate it. And sending me this Mm -hmm. lovely, lovely record. Um, Let's begin with you, Ariel. Can you talk, first of all, about how you and Ephraim uh, connected on a social level? How do you know Ephraim? We've known each other for a really long time. 20... I think you helped me get the date the other day. What was it like-ish, roundabout? It was before 2000. It was in late 90s. We were in the same neighborhood 
I've always ever lived in this neighborhood. Yeah. So I guess, and then this is when, this is before the first Godspeed record or around the first Godspeed record. I remember going to the, the launch show and being, it was like a, like a really affecting experience for me. I remember we were all lying on the ground and there was a feeling of like, well, it was the first time I had ever heard music like that. And it was like visceral. Was that at the, um, first iteration the of the hotel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think it's like a neighborhood thing. We're in the neighborhood. Were you making, so you, uh, you interacted with Ephraim as well when he was performing. Were you making music at that time, Ariel? In like a public sphere, I suppose? No, no, I wasn't. No, you weren't. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, and, and Ephraim, uh, does that check out? Do you want to fact check this? Is this your recollection <laughs> of how you encountered Ariel in the neighborhood? That is, that is true. That is true. And yeah, I mean, I mean, the, at the old hotel, those shows, I don't know. It was a, it was a pretty broad community. That was kind of what was nice about it. I miss that aspect of life, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. How many people yeah. fit in the old hotel in terms of, you know, capacity? I think the most we ever crammed in there was 300. Oh, so it was, cons- that, con- that's considerable. That's big. Yeah, but that was, that was unsafe. That was, uh, oh. <laughs> we used, we used to have to rent out the space to help pay the rent. So we would rent it to like people who were having parties and stuff. Right. And they were always a fucking nightmare. And we would always say, you got to sell tickets and cap it at 200. But some asshole once let 300 in. But yeah, it was a big, it was a big loft. It was very big. Wasn't the first show a lot of square footage? Was it one of the first shows a dub narcotic show? Am I making that up? That was, uh, yeah, that was one of the first shows. Yeah, Don and Ian probably were involved. Don Wilkie, Ian Lapsky, is that right? Yes, Don and Ian, because originally their idea was they wanted to start a venue, right? Yes. So, yeah. and they were looking for it. That's how, that's how I met them. So they were looking for a space to rent, but we had our space. Then they had already arranged. I don't know why they were they were into dub narcotic. Um, anyways, <laughs> they, had, they invited them to come. Well, I think when you had, uh, you know, people like uh, Calvin Johnson, and you know, there there was a, we. Did you have this Ephraim? Like, were you like American labels? Those are the coolest labels. Like, you just kind of like, whoa! Like, someone from Discord is coming to play my basement. Just the. Uh, the aura about the connection. I remember as a kid being like, what the hell? Like, why is blue tip on discord playing this little basement show? Was there any of that? That kind of like, wow, we can get dub narcotic to come up here. No, not for me. No. I mean, I, had, I cause my formative stuff was like, because I came of age, right. You know, I lived through that thing where like the post grunge thing where everyone started yeah. signing to a major label and it's sort of, right it soured me because that was the point where it's like, okay, your lived experiences. I like, I, I, I don't understand anymore what the commonality is. Right. Mm. So I sort of, yeah. Since then I'm not, I don't, I'm, I, I don't really care about that kind of stuff. I'm sorry for maybe even invoking this, but I have um, that error on my brain because I just did a chat with uh, everyone from sofa. Yeah. And uh, who uh, we just, we just did a chat about this, for those who haven't heard it yet, we did a chat about their retrospective uh, release of uh, Sofa material. It's called Source Crossfire. It's on Constellation. And that's how I connected with Constellation. I set up a show in 1997 for Sofa in Guelph. And then mm. 
somehow have been connected to Ian Olavsky at least this whole time and, you know, received this this mysterious constellation. I didn't know what it was. You know, I still have the CD CST002 and uh, they were very nice. Anyway, it's just all in my brain. Sorry to transport us back there. But Ariel, you kind of did by saying that's how you, <laughs> yeah. one of the ways you encountered Ephraim. So you yeah. weren't playing music at the time. What got you, Ariel, uh, into the headspace to like, oh, maybe I can make some music? Oh, in, in life? Yeah, I'm just trying to take us back to, yeah, your uh, connect, connection there. I'm just curious. I don't know. It was not, it was not, it was not straightforward. I was, I was always kind of like, uh, it was like, I was like closeted, you know, for a long time. It was very, very uncomfortable because I had a really strong desire and need to be making music and involved in music, but I couldn't get over something about showing people, I guess. What did you I'm do? blushing talking about it. I'm I have, sorry. I've had I, a lot of stage fright. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to make you uncomfortable in that regard, but um, do you have No, a- no, it's important. It's yeah. it's important. And I and I realize that I, I'm thankfully much further away from it, but I guess it's like the, you know, the balance between being like an orator or like a, a vehicle for some kind of musical experience and also, you know, where does the ego fit in and like being a tall poppy and, you know... Just there's a lot of shit to go through, and then eventually I was like, ah, "The need is greater than whatever bullshit this is, and I'm just going to do it." And then the more I did it, the less that conversation came up, and it's, now it's just something I do. Yeah, you're a very gifted vocalist. Uh, do you have a primary instrument per se? I mean, I know. Sorry, I've seen outside you, of the voice. Outside of the voice, yes. Yeah, sorry, I've seen you. Per- I mean, I, just I, so we're clear, I've seen yeah. you perform several times. <laughs> and yeah. uh, did it? Did Aurora? Open up for the Dirty Three. Is that where I saw you for the first time? Yeah. And in, in Pop Montreal. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, fa- was sorry, a very show. super memorable night. You guys were great. Anyway, so I've seen you, but for the people listening, do you have a primary instrument? What got you actually performing, uh, playing music, rather? I mean, I guess I play guitar. I don't really play guitar very well, but I do. That's my primary instrument. I did four years of piano, but I was terrible at it. I'm really like a very bad at learning systems, or I got I don't know. Okay. No. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Sorry to be, I don't mean to be obtuse. It's just like, you can't just play guitar with me and throw them, ask me to play chords and things. I don't know what you're saying. So, and I'm not proud of it. It's just how it is. No, that's fair. I've been, that's, I will say for the pandemic, I've been trying to finally learn how the guitar works. And yes. I sit, you know, there's TV on or movies, much to everyone's hatred of me probably i'm just like figuring out how to play stuff i didn't and learning about how to do it and it's fun i like the t- mm-hmm. i like the time i have to be like yeah i have time i'm just gonna go do that i have a drum kit set up in my house now so I, Amazing. I'm, a, I'm primarily a drummer so it's just when i feel like it i just go play drums it's fun so i guess what i'm wondering is though just to stay on this you're, you're not exactly sure you can't pinpoint what finally spurred you out of this uh, i i it was gradual it yeah. was gradual okay Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're in Montreal, as I've already referenced, people like Ephraim, people in the Constellation Records camp are, things are percolating. Does that inspire you at all? The way that they're just doing, th- like, we just, we're going to do this. Was that inspiring for you? I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know what their, what their backstory is. You know, there's a whole group of people. So, I mean, I'm always impressed when people do what they want to do, you know, yeah. when they follow their their calling or 
whatever their inspiration. So yeah, I'm always I'm always moved by people who do what I consider to be art. You know, when people do things well, you know, so they did this thing that they do really well. I felt, and it it was singular. Like I didn't have any reference for it, so it was like. It really affected me. Just for context, in my various research projects on Montreal and Constellation of this era that we're still sort of... I'm going to get us out of it. Don't worry. We're going to move out of it very quickly. But Montreal, Mm -hmm. from my understanding, Montreal was a difficult place to live artistically. The venues were kind of pay to play uh, if, if they allowed you to perform at all. It was mostly like kind of bar rock cover bands. There were no accessible recording studios. There was a whole underground rock scene that didn't really have platforms, weren't really being acknowledged by local press, whatnot. And as a whole, in various ways, let's call it the Constellation cohort, I think started to affect change by establishing those venues and recording studios and making space for themselves. Mm -hmm. And Montreal had to adapt to it because it was important and it was developing an audience and then press and all that stuff happened. Sorry, just so I can fact check myself, Ephraim, did I vaguely capture what happened? Does that work? I don't know. I don't know if I could speak uh, with authority about what was happening in all of Montreal at the time. I know as a person, it felt like playing music was a fucking go nowhere game at that time if you did it the way you were supposed to. Like, if you're lucky, you would get a slot opening for the grifters on a Wednesday night at Jailhouse Rock. Right. You know, and then it was like, oh, I made it. You know, it's also music at that time. Again, yeah, it was like the post grunge time. Everything was very fucking white dude aggro. Mm-hmm. There was just like a lot of post amphetamine reptile kind of vibe in Montreal. <laughs> like it was very like, like, and I like, but I don't like, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> there was a lot of that baggage. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I even before the hotel or meeting Constellation Records or Godspeed, I mostly just, you know, like I've known the same five people my whole life. I've always <laughs> just tried to do things within this little nest. Yeah, know? absolutely. No, um, I appreciate that. So I, it felt fortuitous to meet other like-minded people at the time, for sure, you know. And then once we started earning an income, yeah, it made sense to put that into building a studio and Morrow starting as venues and stuff, you know. Yeah. I think in a round in a I roundabout mean, way, I feel like you've you've said what I said is accurate. Uh, I appreciate that you're like, I can't generalize. Like I don't know what everything was like in Montreal, but I just want the record to show that this work that you and your colleagues did changed things. Yeah, but other people were doing stuff too. I think that's what I'm saying. You know, like I, I don't, okay. I don't feel so comfortable. Like there were other people doing great shit, also. You know, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, as and it's always that way. You know. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I guess where I'm coming from with it is Ariel, as as a lifelong Montreal resident, were you aware of that shifting occurring in the? No. No, not at all. Okay. No, because I wasn't performing and. Were you a big music yeah. fan? Were you an outgoing music fan at the time? I mean, I was like, I, I grew up with a lot of music. And so, yeah, I mean, my mom worked at Cheap Thrills when I was a baby. So she could bring home as many records as she wanted. And Rec- was this was a, plays. for those who don't know, that was a I record I didn't know store. that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. So it was vinyl all the time. And my parents took us to see a lot of music. I remember seeing, you know, yeah, we went to see concerts all the time. So anything, like, anything stand out? Like anything where you're like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. M- Malatini and the Mahatella Queens. Nice. Nice. Uh, that stands out. Gil Scott Heron. Wow. Mm-hmm. At the Eclipse um, Soda? Yes, were you there too? Yeah, I was at that show. What the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you, I don't think. <laughs> are, yeah. you guys, are you guys roughly around the same age, if I may? Like the same? Uh, I'm 40 years older. You're 40 years older? 40 years older. Older than Ariel? Okay. That's, uh, I didn't realize so that. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm four. Okay. That makes me four. Yeah. Okay. Just clarifying that for the I'm, record as well. No, I wasn't sure. You're about the same. You would have had a lot of the same lived, ex- or sorry, the same age-oriented lived experiences. Generationally, you're very similar. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, okay. we, we have we have crossover. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah. all right. Well, I appreciate this. Uh, I know it's a bit of a memory jog, but I just want to, Ephraim, I think you and I have spoken enough times that, uh, and, and people listening may know that as well. Uh, I know where you kind of came from based on the thing, conversations we've had. So forgive me if I, Ephraim, you're good. I get it. Is that cool? Do we need to talk about you and how you got into stuff? Or are we fine? <laughs> I'm I'm good. Yeah, yeah, we're I'm, good. We know. You're, you're good. You're, you, yeah, it's good. It's your party. It's my party. I should do. Yeah. I can do what I want to. Yes. Uh, for more information about Ephraim, go to CST Records and other places, and you'll know everything he's ever done. That's just the way it works. In this trajectory, I, I think it's telling that Godspeed was going. Ariel, you saw this. At some point, you found your voice as your own musician, mm-hmm. and you're friendly. So we figured all that out foundationally. Let's talk about this. How did this project, All Hands Make Light, come about? Uh, Ariel, who initiated this process? From my memory, Ephraim and I were at a Jennifer Castle concert at Martha Wainwright's space, Ursa, on Park Avenue. And we hadn't seen each other in a while, so we chatted. And then he said, you know, I've been having this idea about music. And it was very vague. It was just like a little... It's like throwing something into the air, and then it was in the air, and then I didn't hear from him, so I was like, I wrote him, and I said, what's the idea? I want to know. And then we kept talking. It was really, it was like very soft badminton. I see. Ephraim, um, what was the idea? Uh, The idea was that I wanted to do something with synthesizers and a good singer, and I just wanted to sit down and play and listen to somebody else sing. That was the broad, rough idea. And also do something. Everything I've always done has been like, get a band together, write some songs, get on the road, record, write some songs, get on the road, record. Like that's, I've been doing that for, you know, 27 years now, right? So it's also, I like the idea of doing something that was more, yeah, where it didn't have those pressures, you know. Yeah, that was the rough idea. It came. It came mostly from a place of like I still feel this way now, but I felt it even more then. I was just kind of tired of yelling into microphones, you know. I was tired of my own voice in all ways, and I wasn't feeling super confident, and I'm still not confident or comfortable talking anymore, you know, uh, like being on stage and doing any of that, you know. So it's also I very much like the idea of sitting down and just making noise yeah that's um 
surprising to me because, if I may, you are among the funniest and, I don't know, compelling stage banterers <laughs> I've seen, uh, I've, I've witnessed. Uh, so, uh, I mean, but I also know that doing that stuff isn't really natural. It's sort of a weird thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. And it's also, I mean, like just being a loud mouth and I like being a loud mouth. Don't get me wrong, you know, but it, yeah, I, at some point you just get tired of yourself, you know, it's like, don't I know, I know I it. <laughs> I remember like a, a couple of years ago, I bumped into a, a, another guy who's a musician. And this was around that time that me and Ariel spoke about starting this project. And I was talking about like, at some point I just got tired of being like, you know, like an anarchist aerobic instructor or something like that. <laughs> like endlessly having to be like, you know, no, but listen, no, but listen, no, but you know, yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. I always, I, uh, for sure, I always tried to do it like in an open, not uh, pompous or lecturesome way, which is work also, you know? And I don't know, there's so many awesome younger people now that that space, it's everything's okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, for a while now, I've just wanted to sh shut the fuck up and here I am talking. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a bit rare for you to do something like this, isn't it? I'm not trying to toot my own horn necessarily. I appreciate this conversation and uh, all the conversations you've had with me, but it is a little rare for you to do stuff like this, right, Ephraim? Like interviews? You do them, but I, I also feel like it's been a while since you and I had a chat like this, and I, I don't get me, I've asked, and they say, oh, he's not, and I can see, I can hear it in your voice, it's either, I didn't, I never took it personally, I'm like, yeah, he probably just wants to shut the fuck up. Yeah, they're it's a combination of being on a label that doesn't really, I mean, they're not too concerned about any of that stuff, and right. then, yeah, I always and forever, I will say yes or no on an interview based on like any normal human person would if they weren't subject to undue external pressures. Right, right, right. I make, I make up my mind based on how I'm doing in that moment. Yes. You know, Fair sometimes yeah. I have nothing to say yeah. and I don't want to talk to anyone other than my family, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a fan of Jennifer Castles, I'm intrigued by the notion that you were both at a show when this conversation began. Was it something about mm -hmm. Jen's voice? Uh, that even spurred I'll, I'll, t I'll put this to Ephraim first was it something about hearing a non-male voice <laughs> that got you thinking like yeah I, I want that kind of tone I want that kind of texture like I want to work with someone who can put that across was there anything like that no not her specifically because I've been thinking about it before it just happened that me and Ariel bumped into each other at the Jennifer yeah. we Castle had this show. conversation before we walked yeah. in. Yeah. Before you walked in. Okay. Yeah. Just making yeah. sure. Yeah. Just making sure. But just wondering. Jennifer uh, Castle is fucking amazing. It's the national oh, treasure, you know? She's the best. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Okay. Again, one other question though. Synthesizers. Yeah. That's a curious on some level. What when did you get into synthesizers exactly? And what prompted that to be your primary mode of expression? Uh, this project like maybe about six years ago i started to go deep into all that stuff and it sort of came out of like at the beginning of godspeed and for a lot of years like a lot of what i did was make synthetic sounds with my guitar you know and as yeah. i got more comfortable as a guitar player i stopped making those sounds right i started playing in a different way so at some point i got completely fed up with playing guitar and like the idea of having that kind of control over a sound, right? So mostly just 
for my own uh, edification, I started just messing around at home with modular stuff and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it's like, I don't know, in the last six, seven years, that's what I spent a lot of my time doing. I made a solo record that was mostly synthesizer and voice. I mm-hmm. made that record with Kevin that was both of us doing that. So yeah, when I'm at home now, I do not play guitar. I don't play guitar unless we have a practice or we're touring, you know. Hmm. I mostly okay. just mess around with the sine waves, you know. I see. Okay, fair enough. Ariel, so you have this conversation. Uh, you don't hear from Ephraim for some time. Uh, you say it was a soft badminton, I think you said, or something like that. Um, yeah. When do you start to get a trickle of what he's up to and how you might fit in? I feel like we talked and then... And then we then it shut down, and it was around the shutdown that I reached out. Oh, I see. I think I found myself in the basement, thinking, "Okay, I I, I want to do something." And then I remembered that Ephraim and I had talked, so I reached out, and then he sent me he sent me some music. Okay. So I wish it was like a more exciting story than that, but it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could tell it faster than I'm telling. That would it. be more exciting if you wrapped it or something. Yeah, yeah that would be people. Yeah. We people would be yeah, all over don't. it. Just a quick aside. I just realized that one of the only shows I saw in Edmonton before the lockdown was Jennifer Castle. Oh, nice. So wow, very weird actually. Look at that. Fe- February yes. of uh, 2020. So I, was that one? Of th- it must have been the same tour. Uh, she was. I mean, Edmonton, Montreal is not oh. quite a tour, as we all know, in Canada. I think she flew out for like a f- winter festival and then flew okay. back. But it was really nice to see a friend uh, and uh, someone I love uh, in town. So that was fun. Anyway, sorry. I just just a weird an aside. Okay, so you get the music. I wrote you, I'll just put this out there. I said, hey, is there a lyric sheet? I just want to figure this yeah. out. And you said, oh, we'll talk about it in the thing. No, I just <laughs> I just haven't written them out. And I also, I, I mean, I, I have a little rant about lyrics, which is just like, you know, lyrics happen. And I think for some people, lyrics are the starting point for singing. And for me, they're just not. Oh. And that's not to say that I, I don't want to undermine my lyrics or the lyrics that I sang that were Ephraim's by any means, but it's just not how I engage. Okay. So we could look at the lyrics, we could talk about them, but like, what do they really have to do with what I was trying to put forth? Not that much. Okay. I, That's the question. My question. It's it's not it's not even a question. It's actually a rhetorical question. No, and I appreciate that perspective. I I do ask. I like lyrics. I like. <laughs> I think when you um, are talking to someone and they've said something. In a song, you can say, hey, you said this thing. Can we talk yeah, about that? Yeah, but so much of what I love is said in, in languages I don't speak. Fair enough. So I just... You've, you view it almost I, as a sonic expression. It's it's mouthfeel, and often if I can connect like a certain kind of a heart feeling... Okay, here, I'll use one a lyric from the record to make my point. At the end of Sparrow's Lift, mm. I say, I don't have to know, I feel... And then it always comes back to that for me. So there are some very good lyrics. I'm, sh- you know, I like a lot of the lyrics that are in here, but it would just be kind of not. It's not the approach for me as a singer. So you, it's not a way into the music for me. Fair enough. So all of this occurred during uh, the pandemic, lockdown, calamity, collective calamity. Um, mm-hmm. You get these sounds from Ephraim, which uh, are swirly they're beautiful actually i will say that as well 
what is your starting point in terms of a feeling? Like, what was your, do you have a sense of memory of your feeling when you started to get these things in and, and, and within that, how, what they sort of triggered in you, um, in terms of the lyrics you wanted to write? The first song we did was Lie Down in Roses, which Ephraim had lyrics for. So that was, I mean, it was still like just, I, I heard the music, I had the lyrics and I improvised a vocal, most of which is what we hear now. It's like a first thought. With a feeling of like, in some ways, an ode to some kind of ballad, but not necessarily with the, uh, such a, maybe the structure isn't quite as repeating because it's more improvised than that. And then some of the other songs are just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I'll start with, yeah, Lie Down and Roses is more like, yeah, like a ballad. Is that the only song on the record that Ephraim wrote the lyrics for? We have one song where we're both singing. I'm singing mine and his lyrics at the same time. Okay, so there. Okay, there's. there's uh, and which is one's there that? something else? Uh, to raise a child. Ah, there you go. Okay, uh, Ephraim, do you want to speak on that? What you you wrote the lyrics for this first piece, but primarily, and, and it sounds like the oh yeah, and this other piece. But uh, did this happen organically, or was that like a? Was that on? Purpose? It happened organic. I think like at the beginning for every song, I sent like a title and rough lyrics, and then mm-hmm. Ariel would be like, I either be like a it's not speaking to me but i wrote this or just would write something else so they're like songs that kept titles but the lyrics are no longer there i don't know but yeah of course i mean it's a collaboration so you know right i mean would you go back and forth on lyrical ideas no not really there was one time i had already sung and he sent me lyrics and it was just sort of like the messages were coming through at the same time. So that's how it landed. And I, I need to come back to the lyric thing. I don't want to undermine the lyrics. They're re- they actually are really important to me. Oh, I absolutely. Just, yeah. it, it comes back to a little bit about the same thing about I don't really, I don't want to prescribe meaning for people. They mean something to me when I sing them. You'll hear what you hear. And in fact, if you hear the wrong lyric, Maybe that's what you needed to hear. You know what I mean? Fair I just, enough. It's too yeah. uh, didactic. Just, just the the words on the page are a little didactic for you because I've yeah. we've we've all made jokes about misheard lyrics, right? Yeah. Where you're like, you know, there's so many jokes about classic rock songs when you mishear it and you're like, uh, <laughs> and uh, and then you actually see it. And I, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I think it is a texture. I think vocals are a texture, and you get what you get from it. I agree. But I also am, a, you know, I like to, I don't know, I like, I like reading stuff <laughs> in mm-hmm. general, and I think mm-hmm. it, it affects me on a neural pathway a bit different. It's not that I, mm-hmm. if I read a great lyricist song, I, I can be, it affects me in a totally different way. If it's not on, Doesn't you know? it sometimes ruin it, though? No, for never. You? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I would never say it's ruined it. No. Baby, Ever. baby, baby, baby. Oh, are you talking about Led Zeppelin now? <laughs> was that I what that, that was? was Justin, I thought that was Justin Bieber. I don't know. Um, it could be so many things. Yeah. In the moment, it's amazing, you know, the five babies in a row. But if I read them on a page, I'll just be like, oh. Ephraim, do you have a take on that? I'm curious, just as someone who has been writing, you know, lyric-based songs, instrumental songs, uh, you know, you're an interesting figure in this in this regard what's what's your take on that uh, lyrics are important to me but yeah i don't know i don't i don't think they have to be important to everybody 
I can I can listen yeah. to stuff with shitty lyrics, depending on what kind of shitty the lyrics are. You know, I can listen to stuff where you can't understand what the words are. I think words are important. I think words. I think song titles are. I think song titles are important. Song titles are are super important. Yeah. Yeah, that's your entry point into where you're going to go before you press play, right? I mean, or, there's or whatever song titles have. I mean, song titles really contextualize a song, right? You know, like they have that power. It's the fucking title, so it creates meaning. You know, yeah. just by being there as the title. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. So in every regard, though, we've talked about sort of the the back and forth, but in every regard, uh, or sorry, in every aspect of this record, Ephraim, you came up with the song titles as a guide point. Is that right? No, not all of them. I mean, uh, oh, okay. it was, there was, it was, yeah, I don't know. We just went back and forth, you know. Just want to read some of these for people who haven't encountered this record yet, which is available now on uh, Bandcamp, which is a little plug for the album and Bandcamp. Wicked Leader... <laughs> To Raise a Child, Skin I'm In, Lie Down in Roses, Dear. There's some more abstract stuff here, too. I don't, what is this? A, is this a chord structure? A E A E E E A. I don't know what that, um, how do you pronounce that one? How do it's you, it's an pro- oscillation. Oh, it's an oscillation. How do I pronounce Maybe. that? Maybe. I don't know. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, there you go. There, that's what it is. I'm just curious and I don't want to ruin anyone's experience with these songs, but just on that level, the song titles. Skin I'm In is a, is, a, is a title that I had proposed for a little pe- little song I'd written. And it's it's from uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Right. I just, I, I love the image of be it's the skin I'm in, you know? It's like, it's both the thing that houses me and it's also really thin. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. And I, I think it, it is maybe best to leave this uh, impressionistic stuff, if you will, to the listener uh, and the receiver. So we'll, I, I don't want to delve too much more deeply into it. I find it fascinating. Some of the song titles do really feel of this time. But of course, we're in this time. So what else are they going <laughs> to be? And I'm here right now. So they feel like very of this moment somehow. Um, so I'll leave it at that. I do want to get into surprises in terms of both this labor distribution, if you will. Were you surprised, Ariel, when you received any of these instrumentals from Ephraim? Did anything about it seem like, whoa, wow, I wasn't expecting this? I don't know. I Sometimes I just balk at the I don't know how to answer the question exactly. I don't know what to say, but I'll say this instead, which is this like a rhetorical technique where you say what you want to say instead, <laughs> which is just that I... I feel like this has now become a, a you know, some sort of analysis of me. And no, no, not at all. It's just, just my discomfort with being asked questions. But yeah, I, a, I think you're it's asking a refer- great... It's a, re- it's a referendum on Vish, is all I'm saying. Uh, you're asking great, great questions. <laughs> <laughs> the music, I don't know, I'll use the word again, but it felt visceral. It felt like I was just really moved by it, you know? Your vocals in themselves, how would you characterize your, uh, your working with Ephraim on it? Did you send him more or less... Uh, raw vocals? Did you send him ideas about how to treat them, how to layer them? Did you have those conversations? I sent him, some of them were, a lot of them were final. And then we went into the hotel and we did a little bit more. I re-sung a couple things and then he processed some of my vocals. Uh, It's a real mix. Yeah, fair enough. I just wondered if, 
I don't know why. I'm looking for consistency where maybe there isn't any. <laughs> well, it was a real collaboration yeah. other than on, right. the, on the music front. That's yeah. mostly everything. I will say, like the yeah. first bout of mixing I did at home, I processed Ariel's vocals way too much, you know, which is like a weakness that I have because I always want things to be like kind of gummy and glued together and yeah, smeared, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Ariel was like, yeah, it's too much, man. So I went back. I think, yeah. I mean, I think this is where Ephraim and I are from. I mean, although I think that we have a lot of music that we like in common, we we have made different music in our time. So I'm also, I, I have bad habits, maybe. you know, I think that's more what I'm saying, you know, like I, you get habituated to to certain, mm. yeah, doing certain things, you know, it was nice to have someone be like, hey, don't do that. I was like, yeah, great. Don't bury me. <laughs> Sounds better now. That's what I want to. I, I want to get to that a little bit, and just for clarification, Ephraim, when you say process and gummy, are is any of that interchangeable with synthesize or synthesis? Did you synthesize the vocals? So There's to speak? Uh, once there the second track on the record, the I yeah 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 song. Ariel sent me a long vocal improv that she had sang through a whammy pedal was it a whammy pedal like a no i sang it through uh, some ableton plugin oh yeah so it's oh, through okay. a pitch shifter and then i added then i re-pitch shifted and yeah with stuff but other than that there's no no there's like you know there's no synthesis on ariel's vocals there's a bit of a penchant that you have and i think maybe people of our generation who made hardcore music or punk music which I, I was just talking about this with Sofa, actually, because I do I did it all. We did it all the time when I played in post hardcore bands. We would spend time writing lyrics, you know, writing words in a very clear way. And then you would scream them. And mm-hmm. then not only would you scream them almost incomprehensibly, like if you didn't have the lyric sheet for a hardcore band in the 90s, you were a bit lost if you, if you were interested in what they were saying. Let's say let's put it that way. But not only would you scream them, you would bury them in the mix. And and I feel like Ephraim. Uh, what I was saying to the sofa guys is like, now I psychoanalyze that as trying to give myself and all of us, we're trying to give ourselves agency, but also hiding, kind of disguising ourselves. Like, just like we wanted to say something and anger and coming from a place of passion. We didn't want it. We weren't like waffling about it, but we also were sort of uncertain about it in our practice of like, no, 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 bring that fader down. Like, I don't want my voice that high in this mix. Mm-hmm. Ephraim, does that resonate with you at all in your general practice? Like you say you have bad habits or habits. Let's call them habits. Who are we to say they're bad? You have yeah. some habits you've developed as a musician, as a vocalist, and where <laughs> things sit in the mix. Like, does anything I'm saying resonate with you? Uh, a little bit. I mean, for me, like when I'm recording other musicians or bands that I have nothing to do with just as a gig, and generally the music I listen to as well, I always feel like the vocals should be on top. Oh, That's, you do? I think, yeah. Okay. I Most of the stuff that I enjoy, well, when the singers are good, yeah. You know, the vocals should be, the arrangements should be made so that the vocals can just sit right there, you know. With stuff that I've been involved in where I, where I sing in addition to playing instruments, I think it would be an asshole move to be like, hey, turn me up. You know, because those have all been bands where everyone's working together, you know. Right, so right. if if it's important to me, I'll say, hey, I think I, you know, it should be audible here. The same way I'll say, hey, I think, you know, this guitar thing should come up a bit. But it's not, I'm not, it's a card you can only pull out of your pocket 
a few times without being an asshole or without being a bad mm-hmm. bandmate. I see. I see. Okay. You know? Yeah. So. So there's humility. Yeah. There's humility in the decision as well. I think. Well, I don't know if it's humility. It's just like there are ways that we all need to work together so that right. things get done and so that it points a little bit in the direction of a better world, you know? <laughs> but generally, I'm in favor of vocals sitting on top of things, you okay. know? Especially, generally, I feel like dynamically, whatever is being performed the loudest in a piece of music should be what you hear. I get confused by recordings where someone's wailing on the drums and it's down here, you know, same with vocals. If someone's singing out and it doesn't crest over the top of a mix, it confuses, like that's not how you would hear it if you were in the room. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Were you surprised by anything that Ariel sent you lyrically, vocally? Was there anything that, or, or is there anything that sticks out to you as being, I don't know, not representative of the project, but something where you're like, yeah, that that really got it. That's what I was that's what I had in my head when I talked to her at that Jennifer Castle show. That's it. Was there anything like that? I think the biggest thing is like there a lot of the stuff I sent her was not in concert pitch and also was in scales that aren't I mean, they're not tricky, but they're not obvious scales with weird timings, not prog rock timings, but sort of, you know, off timing, you know. Yeah. And yeah, Ariel got all of that, you know, which is in my experience of playing music with other people that that's often like where I end up bumping heads, right. you know, it's like not wanting things to get smoothed out to a straight three, four, or four, four beat, you know, like let things hang a bit or rush it when you need to. Yeah. And then also, yeah, concert pitch is a fucking son of a bitch, you know, like if everything's in pitch with each other, that's all that really matters, right, you know, right. like if, if things aren't flat or sharp in relation to each other in a damaging way, who cares what 440 is or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I brought up the idea of working with Ariel to Ariel because I was hoping that's how it would be. And then it was, and that was just like, you know, it wasn't surprising, but it was like, yay, you know, it was, it was a nice feeling. <laughs> yeah. It was very. It was a very easy process. Project. It was a very yeah. easy project. Process. Yeah. Well, you've got, got yeah, this yeah. long history together and uh, as friends, and uh, mm. I guess a couple of questions to to wrap this up, so to speak. First of all, I'm obviously I, I do want to ask about what this initial release might mean for future collaboration. That's obvious, and that's coming. Just a little spoiler alert. Spoiler mm-hmm. spoiler okay. alert for both okay. of you. Okay. But I do have a very quick typographical <laughs> question. And I, uh-huh. I'm going to, um, I don't know who's responsible for this in this instance, but I'm going to take this to Ephraim because over the years, I think those of us who followed his work in his various projects knows that he likes to have fun with typography, the look of words, lowercase, uppercase, mm-hmm. exclamation points, all hands make light. Mm-hmm is a lovely sentiment mm-hmm. uh, for a project or for a band name in this case. There is, I believe, if I have this correctly, unless there's a typo, there's a little, uh, what is that called? There's a little, it's not a hyphen. It's a little uh, under, under dash, dash under it? dash, yeah, under, yeah. yeah. So you've got all hands, under dash, make light, caps lock. Ephraim, can I take this to you? Is this your doing? Okay, so the band name, me and Ariel had a lot of back and forth, right? I cannot remember, but in the go, like we're literally like she would throw something at me. 
I would change it a bit and back and forth, right? And then we ended up, we both liked all hands make light, right? But Mm -hmm. then I remember we talked about it and it was like, well, but all hands don't make light. Like, I know that's very pedantic, but there are hands in this world that don't make light. (laughs) There are hands in this world that fucking make darkness, you know? Mm -hmm. So then we, at first it was a slash, you know? Like it was two separate idea, all hands make light. It was also a way to like, so that it would be more of a command than a statement of fact, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like all hands on deck, all hands make light, you know, instead of this, what seemed like a naive premise that all hands in the world make light. Jesus, holy cow. Now we're going deep, but I love this. I love, I love hearing (laughs) this because I didn't. And then at some point I just started using the, the under dash. I don't know. I just felt like it made that point better than the, than the slash, you know, like the under, it's like a pause, all hands make light. Right. For, mm-hmm. for, I appreciate that. Just on the look of it, it reminds me of the way I save files. Certain, there's certain programs where you have to, you can't just have the words separated. So you have to connect them with like a hyphen or, or in this, I often, I, if anyone who's downloaded my show directly will see that I always creative under dash. So it just reminded me of a file name. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It has that element too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Ariel, do you want to say anything more? Like, I, I really appreciate that kind of fulsome explanation uh, from. But Ariel, you seemed a little blown away. <laughs> oh, I like it, but I, I think that that you know, I, I, I have a feeling that Ephraim's design world is actually really interesting. Absolutely. And so we've had like some conversations around aesthetics and design and. Yeah, like so. I love I love hearing him talk about it. Yeah, me but too. To, but to be clear, I mean, we did like it can't. Oh no, we came up, yeah, we came yeah, up yeah. with that together. But the the uh, the little bridge between the two ideas, so that it's yeah. not just this like facile Pollyanna band yeah. name. Yeah, was yours. Right. The, the the pause was yours, and and I like I like hearing you talk about it because we hadn't said it so explicitly. Well, as a before. fan of Ephraim's and someone who's followed his work, I I will say I thought that was Ephraim. Well, yeah, I was like, oh, that's an Ephraim. Yeah, that, you're right. That's an Ephraim yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, it's weird, yeah. Ephraim. You're at a point where you put an under, like a dash, and people like me are like, oh, yeah, I, I know where I know where, that, where that came from, probably. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> so, I'm a typographical <laughs> asshole. <laughs> and then people will forget to put the dash in, and it'll be a whole thing, and then they'll be like, oh, he took out the dash. Now what's happening? Okay, but, mm-hmm. So, but here's the whole thing. <laughs> I've said this before. It, it kind of drives me crazy because, like, it these are like tools that we have punctuation, capitalization, not capitalization, weird spellings of words using, you know, hard consonants where it should be a soft consonant. These are all like, they belong to all of us and we can do whatever the fuck we want with it. Because as far as I can tell, there are movements in art a gazillion years ago that meant that you can do whatever the fuck you want. Right. You know, so it uh, to me, it's always seemed like a very non-contentious thing just to be like, oh, yeah, we can use all this shit, you know? Well, and I always yeah. I'm not directing this at you, but I mean, you know, it's it's always been surprising me. You get reactions sometimes from people like it's the most pompous thing in the world. No, no, like no. So well, let me use punctuation. Let me know? just say this. And I don't know if you will agree or not. I view all of these things that you do, you in particular, in this case, I view them as like we're we're seeing your sense of humor, your sense of fun. And where I think it's amusing particularly is when other people get so wound up and take yeah, this man. shit so seriously 
that they start a post saying, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? I know earlier I seemed like a lyric-loving nerd who needed to investigate every word you guys write down. And may- But I will say maybe it's my answer to what you were saying about people, you know, screaming their lyrics and then... You know, it may be it may come from a similar place that I absolutely will like say sing my lyrics, but I won't print them. Right, might have a similar thing. So I agree. I, I agree. All I'm saying is I view it as amusing and funny, mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. what the hell does this mean all the time. That's all I'm saying, Ephraim. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, and it, yeah, it comes from that place. You know, I mean, yeah. sometimes it comes from a more serious place too. But yeah, 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 man. You know? I appreciate I appreciate your fun with stuff. Is all I'm saying. I, That's all I'm saying. Just- it's just good to be alive, you know. <laughs> As we're speaking, all hands make light. All hands make light. That's what it means. It's great. Uh, as we're speaking, you guys have a uh, Pop Montreal show. I twenty fifth of September. Twenty fifth. Thank you very much. That's the first ever All Hands Make Light show. Or have you played before? It's the first complete show. Yeah, we did a thing like when the Saloroso was doing their uh, Swanee TV thing. We oh. did one of those, but it was just like one long song, not a oh. full full set. Okay, so this will be a performance of these pieces that are on this record. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I don't know what Quebec's like. Can you play? Can this festival happen? Like, I'm sorry, it's like yeah, an alternate. it's outside. Oh, it's outside. Okay. No, it is. Okay. It is, but it's outside, yeah. and it's in a, like a burnt-out factory, so it's like a metal structure. Oh, okay. Which, and, and it's it's in the neighborhood. Okay. Okay. So the so, show, the show will happen. Uh, we, d- I assume you're both on the same page, probably about not knowing what future touring or shows could happen, right? Because everything's fucked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Future collaboration. Since you've recorded this and it's out now, uh, have you, mm-hmm. Ephraim? Have you started? Are there more musical ideas percolating that you've sent to Ariel? No, I mean, because right now we're trying to figure out how to play this stuff live, you know, which right. we figured a little of that out when we did that Swony thing, you know. So, yeah, it's mostly just been focused on that, you know, like figuring out different arrangements and different uh, uh, different yeah. ways to pull it off, you know. Okay. But, I mean, with the show we're playing with, we're going to have a bass player, uh, sorry, another keyboard player and another s- singer as well. So it's like going to be a more flushed out lineup. The duo will be a four-piece. The duo will be a quartet. Why did you say bass player? You said bass player, and then you changed it to keyboard player, and then all I could think of was Ray Manzarek from The Doors. Uh, that's <laughs> that's That would be awesome. But um, <laughs> the no, it, it's because uh, originally the idea was that it would be someone who played bass and keyboard, but now that person is just playing keyboard. Oh, so. I see. Okay. Could you want to cite who it is, or is it a surprise? No, it's not a surprise. It's Jace from the Besnard Lakes is going to play oh, keyboard. Nice. And Erica Angel, singer, Thus Owls. Oh, nice. Okay, great. That's yeah. great. Okay, this is. I, I wish I were there. Are they like? Yes. Are they live streaming things? Can I watch this somehow? Oh, I don't know. It would be nice. Maybe we'll record it. That would be a nice idea. It's not, it's not our concern. Maybe I should just go to their website and figure this out myself. Sorry to make you guys Google for a second. I can figure this out myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen anything. No one has said anything about that to us. Right. I get all their newsletters, so I should just read one, and then I'll figure this out. Anyway, so there's that. That's Pop Montreal. Uh, so anyone who's in the area, go see uh, All Hands Make Light. Ariel, if people want to learn more about this record, this band, uh, where can they go 
using their phones, their computers. We have an all hands make light Instagram account uh, that doesn't have much on it yet, but that's that's the entirety of our social media and uh, Bandcamp. Okay. You both like Instagram, don't you? Ephraim, you like Instagram? You're on that. I see that sometimes. I like Instagram. I like it because it's like a it's like a curated monologue or something. You can use it like that. Mm. You know, you can just, Oh, like I don't really speak to anybody on it or do much. Mm. I just like putting stuff up there, you know, it's like a yeah. pamphlet. I like pictures. Yeah. So pictures. pictures. Yeah. I like yeah, images good. more than text. So, yeah. Like, okay. So I, I made that point really clear throughout this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Yes, you did. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's also a band camp page. Did you already talk about that? Not in a detail. A band camp is where you can hear the music. Sorry. Yes. So people can go to the All Hands Make Light band camp to actually hear this record. And buy a cassette what? also. Oh, and buy the cassette. There's still copies of the cassette. I thought they'd be all gone. No, is there's still some copies. Okay. I will track one down myself. But before I get to that, I should say you both have other projects. Are there other future plans in this uncertain future that we want to cover at this point? Ariel, uh, I noticed you followed me on Instagram from your uh, band there, uh, La Force. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's my solo project. Yeah, I'm almost finished my second record. Oh, awesome. That's happening, yeah. Would you want Mm -hmm. to chat again? I can ask you the same question. Of course. Always. I'm chatting. (laughs) (laughs) We can chat about that one. Do you have a timeline on that? Uh, I'm going to talk about it today with someone. Yeah, I'm hoping to be done before the snow falls. Okay, great. Nice. And is Aurora your project with Andrew? Yeah, Starr? Aurora. Yeah, Aurora and I are going to Aurora and I, Andrew, uh, <laughs> Andrew and I are going to resurrect that record, which I still think was great. I love I have it. it. I have it on. I have it in the A section up there. It's up um, there. Yes. I, have, I love that yes. record. Yeah. And okay, you'll cool. notice all the songs are just numbers. The titles are all numbers. But that was there was a reason for that anyway because it's a book of poems. Um, right. Yeah, we're going to re-release that sometime in this twenty in this calendar year, whatever that is. And in the next twenty-four, twelve. How many months are there in a year? Twelve. We're going to still, re-release still it. Still twelve. We'll see. It's still twelve. Still we'll see, 12. What, see what happens if the conservatives get a majority government. That might change. But uh, yeah, <laughs> on austerity 12. measures, they'll just yeah, like just, lob one off. <laughs> to lob no one, one needs February. We can't um, afford all these months. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. we're going to re-release that on an American, small American label slash poetry press oh amazing that's great nice, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. i'm glad i asked ephraim similar question uh anything coming up you just did a godspeed record i know that uh what else is going on anything no i mean we're supposed to start touring godspeed's supposed to start touring in january we'll see what happens you know i mean everything you, europe or europe first but then the united states of america you ever heard oh, of it wow. um, heard that one yeah so yeah i don't know it's uh, okay. theoretically there's like half a year of touring starting uh, in January, and if that does not happen, I think I'm going to go to truck driving school. Oh, I guess sorry. On an economic level, you mean you got to do something? Yeah, I got to do something. You know? Yeah, yeah. I feel badly for you in that regard. Um, oh, don't. But uh, well, no, I can't help it. I I love seeing you play music, all of both of you. So this is hard. Mm-hmm. To hear, we're uh, anyway. That's a real material condition situation. That is, uh, anyway. Sorry, I, I was wrapping up. I don't want to go too dark at the end here. All hands make light. All hands make light. 
So we have yeah, to okay. <laughs> have to end, end positively. And again, I do think it's very positive that you made a, you made something of the time by getting together and making this record. So let's end on that, so to speak. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. but also we're going to be doing stuff moving forward. It's not just up mm-hmm. that time. It will be up many times. It mm-hmm. feels like a, an opening uh, for both of you to work together now. So this mm-hmm. is that's great. That's awesome. Good to hear. Okay, yeah. why can we please go out? on a song from All Hands Make Light, which is the self-titled record. Is there a song we can go out on? And if so, which one? And I'm going to go to Ariel to pick, and then Ephraim can either refute or abide by the decision, or you can have a, a little panel discussion about which is the best. I think we should, all, I think it should be uh, Lie Down and Roses. Okay, that's the first song on the record, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, what made you... What do you think, Ephraim? I, I like that song a lot. It's got the tricky uh, intro that goes down to nothing, though, so people might... Yeah, it's a long intro. People might yeah. think their high-fidelity equipment is broken. Not in this context. It's a podcast. But uh, I will say also, you guys, uh, just so people prepare for it, uh, and don't get confused. You employed the uh, the old tape starting sound that we used to get when we bought tapes as kids, or maybe people yeah, still man. do. Any particular affinity for the tape, cassette tape? You only have cassette tapes at the moment. Ephraim, yeah. why, why that choice? Well, because it's a cassette tape, and that sound is awesome. The tone burst. It's a beautiful sound. It is. It's it a is. really, really, really nice sound. Took me right back. Took me right yeah, back man. to when mm-hmm. I used to play tapes all the time. There was the yeah. other sound too. Ariel, do you remember? There was the boop, 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 boop. But there was also the boop. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Why do they have the two mm-hmm. sounds? Well, what am I supposed to do with that? It was like an alarm. Do you know, Ephraim? You're raising It's usually when I would wake up. <laughs> exactly. Ephraim, your hand was up there. You raised your hand. Why? Why were the, the, the two sounds? The tone burst thing was, uh, was a quality control measure. Because it, you know, it begins side A, and it's at the end of side B, which is at the same point on the tape, right? right? If right. you think about it. So then they just had a machine, a bulk machine, that could check that tone and make sure that the tape itself was recorded properly and that the DBX was encoded properly. Is that a mastering thing? When was that added? I. Th- it was added. Uh, well, it would have had to have been on the master, but it, you know, it was like. It was important for mass manufacturing, right? Oh. So if you think about it, like, whatever, like, when Appetite for Destruction came out, like, how many cassettes they must have made, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, so they needed to... It was, like, at the height of cassettes being a thing, right. you know? When right. they were when they were literally, like, duplicating millions of them, you know? So it's a quality control thing. I see. Am I wrong about that other sound? There was the other sound, right? The boop? boop. Well, that's a... There's, there's test tones, right? Right. That do that that cycle through the thing yeah anyway that's a different thing i appreciate that this is good see i like talking to you ephraim i learn things ariel you're great but i always learn weird facts from ephraim and i like that too yeah i don't have those <laughs> but I, I love it this is, this is it's great okay so we're gonna go out on it now this is all hands make light with lie down in roses dear and it's a beautiful song so and don't turn it off it's gonna it goes away but it comes back is what we were just saying so stay stay with us Ariel, Ephraim, uh, I hope this was fun for you. A tremendous pleasure for me. I yes. wish you the best of luck with everything in the future, and I hope we talk soon. Thanks, Thank Fish. You so much. Bye. Bye.
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Very special thanks again to Ariel and Ephraim of All Hands Make Light for appearing on this, the 637th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about or you're looking for, and uh, or if you want to just learn about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana if you like. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain and support this podcast. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you are indeed interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one just as is humanly possible and while dwindling supplies last. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about at their website, blackbird.ca, and also to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. As always, thanks to my dear old friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim and his vast catalog of music at his website, jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with All Hands Make Light. I hope you found it intriguing, and will seek out their music on their Bandcamp page. And if you can see them, at least at Pop Montreal uh, on September 25th, 2021, if you're listening to this in time, uh, or whenever they come close to you and your place of residence, I hope you'll go seek out All Hands Make Light. I haven't seen them yet. They're new. I can't wait to see them. But I appreciate you listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, you know, subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. I mean, Ephraim has been on the show before at least once. Ariel's been on the show uh, with uh, Aurora, I believe, at least once, if memory serves. So, yeah, dig in. Find those episodes. There's other cool things. I'm sure you'll, I think, I hope, I don't know. Anyway... Feel free to check that stuff out. Spread the word about the show if you can. Tell your friends. Tell whoever. Or don't tell anyone. It's fine. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.